You're listening to Girls with Grafts, a burn community podcast created by Phoenix Society for Burn Survivors, a leading nonprofit dedicated to supporting the burn community. In this podcast, we'll talk with burn survivors, share resources to help with supporting and improving burn recovery, and discuss how to prevent burn injuries. Here are your hosts, burn survivors and Phoenix Society's marketing team, Amber Wilcox and Rachel Kudlak. Hello and welcome back to Girls with Graphs. I am Rachel Kudlak, one of the hosts of the podcast, and I'm joined today by my lovely co-host Amber Wilcox. Hello again. Excited that we're we're making our way through season four. That's um, crazy to me to believe that we've gone so far in this short amount of time. Um, I hear for a friend in your background coming to visit as well, Rachel. Yes, yes. He's playing with all of his toys today, of course. <laughs> well, I miss him until I said hello. Yeah. <laughs> well, as we get started today, um, I would like to kick off um, by just letting you introduce um, today's podcast sponsor. So without further ado, uh, let's get started. Yes. So today's podcast is powered by Gropper and Nijet. Gropper and Nijet is a personal injury firm with offices in New York and New Jersey. They take pride in fighting to achieve the best results for those who have suffered fractures, surgeries, amputations, severe burns, and other injuries. So our guest knows them very, very well because today we have on the lovely Dan Gropper. He is a burn survivor and quad amputee since December of 1989. He is a peer supporter for fellow survivors, speaks and gives demonstrations to PT and OT students, as well as doctors. He also sits on the Nassau County Advisory Board to help improve the lives of those physically challenged. He loves to travel, exercise, box, and plays golf, goes to concerts and games. So, Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good, good to be awesome. on. Awesome. I, I was surprised yeah, that you we haven't had you on yet. Um, you know, when Amber was saying how this we're in season four, it's like, I can't believe it's taken us this long to have you on. Takes a while to get me out there. <laughs> out He's there. a popular guy. That's right. <laughs> Well, Dan, before we dive in for questions, um, I'd love it if you could tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and your survivor journey. Um, I know some of our community may know you, but um, for those that are just joining us today for the first time, I would love if you could just give a brief intro of yourself. You got it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The sponsors definitely know me, the Gropper Nasia. Yeah. And uh, Josh was very instrumental in getting me involved with the Phoenix Society. Uh, Originally, I was like, yeah, you know, I I have my friends, I don't need it. Um, like Rachel said, I was burned um, 1989, December of 89. So it was 34 years ago. Um, thought I wasn't gonna make it. Uh, I was burned 78% of my body, uh, quad amputee, um, bilateral above the knee and bilateral below elbow. So I'm moving right, it's going left. Yeah. Um, <laughs> For those watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a long process, a long ruling process with um, six months in the burn unit. Um, like I said, they were very touch and go, called family members, get down here quick. And he's not he's not going to live very long. And here I am 34 years later. But it was, you know, a lot of surgeries and I'm sure. A lot of people out there have gone through it too. And I don't know, maybe not to the extent I did, or maybe more than I did. It depends on the person. Some, you know, there's no injury too small for Gropronasia. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I had, you know, a lot of the, I guess my success, you would, I attribute to friends and family. They were, they were there throughout. I mean, I was, like I said, I was there for six months. I had people up and down the hallway, you know, supporting me. I had a friend who came every day. The nurses called him No Job Bob because he was there. Every <laughs> this guy doesn't obviously doesn't have a job. He's there every day. He was a he was a bouncer at the time. Became a cop, but he was known as No Job Bob. Um, but yeah, yeah, six months and then a year in rehab, which was right outside the whole Nassau County Medical Center in Long Island, 
and fifth floor and I went out the door and the rehab was on the same floor. So I didn't go very far. And I looked at, at the burn unit kind of as like my prison time. Like I did my time for six months and then rehab was more of like a halfway house. You know, I got a little more freedom. I had some TV, I had TV there too. Yeah, there was, it was, a, mm-hmm. yeah. And then I went to Hofstra afterwards. So that's, that was part of the journey. And that, you know, that's my injury is part of the story. And I, you know, I don't want to jump the gun if you have any more questions, you know, pertaining to this, but my, my story is really what you talked about is about where I am now and what, I, what I've done and, and the fun that I have, you know, I have a great life. Um, so people who are newly burned or, you know, in the early parts of their journey, oh, this is what was me. You know, I do the SOAR program. I talk to people, but I, I try to live my life as, hey, um, you know, I jumped out of an airplane. Like my mom said, who would jump out of a perfectly good airplane? Why would you do that? But I do stuff like that. I go to concerts. I go to mm-hmm. sporting events. I travel and I have, I have fun. I have fun in life. Yeah. No, that's amazing. I mean, yeah. I'm sure when you were in as you say, prison for six months and then the rehab for another year that, you know, even the thought of going to a concert or hang golfing or, you know, exercising, traveling, those things probably seemed so far out of reality at the time. Um, and I know that's one thing that the SOAR program does, and I know you do as well, is that there is hope and your reality that you're living in right now isn't your reality for forever. Sure. Yeah. And people will say like, oh, you'll be able to drive. And I'm like, how will I be able to drive? I'm on my fifth van and yeah, I can drive. Yep, drive exactly. But you have to get that mindset of like, oh, I can do this. I can do that. You know, there's things mm-hmm. I can't basketball, mm-hmm. juggle. I can't juggle yet, but uh, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Yes. So work in progress. Yeah. Well, I know um, you talk about, you know, your support system really helping you along, but I, I know just from knowing you that healing really came from some comedy and laughter and really putting that in your survivor journey. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you one learned to kind of use comedy and laughter? Um, and then two, yeah, just how maybe others could incorporate that into their journeys as well. Sure. And that's what we did. Um, at the world burn Congress, we had a little, a breakout session Mm -hmm. and you know, there were rooms that fit, I don't know, I'd say 50, 60 people. And we had over a hundred people at ours, which was, it went really well. And I was, I was surprised, you know, Josh had, my brother, Josh had uh, thought about this for a while. He said, I, I have a way of putting people at ease. You know, when they first see me, it's like, oh, poor guy, amputee, oh, it's burned. The woe, the woe is me. And I'm, you know, my life is better than yours. Like, wait a second, don't pity me, you know? Uh, so I'll cope with people like that. It's a coping mechanism. And we have a funny family. Josh is pretty funny. Uh, my dad is funny. My mom is funny and crazy. So they're, they're great. And it was a good environment to grow up in. And you know, I'll say stupid, like, do you need a hand? Yeah, I could use two. You know, I was, I used to be six feet. Now I'm four feet. I lost two feet. You know, just stuff like that. To just either people feel at ease or more uncomfortable. Either way, I'm okay with it. So, um, one of the things that my mom had asked me, when my stepfather wasn't doing so well, she said, you know, what are your thoughts on cremation? I said, I tried it once. I didn't care for it. You know, so, so it's <laughs> all pretty dark and people, but you have to have that. And, and it does, mm-hmm. it does put people at ease. It's a way of, you know, de- dealing with like the elephant in the room, so to speak. Yeah. And that's, that's part of what we're trying to convey. And it's not, you don't have to be funny. You know, some people think I'm funny, some people don't. But it, it's a way of like, all right, if you're okay with your injury, then I'm okay. And then evens the playing field, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's this isn't, you know, maybe a joke you say out loud, but one of my friends that I met at a burn camp, um, he had the tattoo crispy on him because he thought it, I mean, it can be funny and he, like you said, it's kind of like it breaks the ice, sure. um, you know, addresses the elephant in the room sometimes. Yeah. Like things are well done. No. Hey, how was, yeah. how was the burn con? It was well done. <laughs> it's rare. <laughs> like, 
Took me a second, but I got I got there. <laughs> some people. Well, and some people. Well, Dan, even before your injury, you were into comedy. Um, and um, were you into comedy? Sorry, or was it something that like sprung as a result of your injury? Did you find yourself? Um, I was voted wittiest in uh, middle school. That's the. Well, there that, you go. Until now, that was my claim to fame. Now that I'm on Girls with Graphs, I've taken it to a whole new level. <laughs> no, no, I, you know, we have very funny friends. Um, yeah, that would be, if I did my own podcast, I'd like to invite some of the friends on there. They're all a little crazy. They're fun. Um, but we have a, like I said, I have a funny family. I like to be around funny people. And I like, you know, I like, I like comedy. I like to, mm -hmm. yeah, curb your enthusiasm, Seinfeld, friends, you know, like these, these great shows that, you know, I use some lines from Seinfeld. They're not, they're not my mm -hmm. lines, but some of it still applies and it's funny. Mm -hmm. so. Well, and I think, you know, with comedy and laughter and using that, you know, either to break the ice or just to make, give yourself a good laugh, you know, when you're struggling, um, it's obviously not for everyone, but for those who do want to, you know, maybe use this as part of their healing journey, what advice or tips um, do you have for them, Dan? Well, well, Josh always has the warning of, you know, this might, you're not, might not be ready in your journey. And we have a, you know, we did it for two years so far. And we had both times we had a psychologist on like dealing with what's going on behind the comedy. But Josh is very adamant about, hey, you know, this might not be for you. And if it's not, it's okay to leave the podcast, the room, the it's, it's, you're not ready to laugh. You're not ready in your journey. I was probably ready to laugh, you know, two days out, but, but that's me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's up to the individual, really. It's, it's how, it's how you feel. Like, what are you, are you ready for it? And, you know, everyone, and it's funny when we did the, the breakout session, a lot of people came up and told their own jokes, which was great. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing to do it online, like to do something like this, you're not getting the feedback from the audience, but you do that session and people, are, and some were a little inappropriate, but for me, I'm good with it. You know, maybe an eight year old in the audience. Maybe. <laughs> You shouldn't be talking about your nether region at that point. <laughs> yes. Well, I think that's a big um, point, too, is even if you're someone who wants to use comedy or you're doing it really well, you know, it's all about knowing your audience, too. And that's the same even just sharing your survivor story with or without comedy included. Like, mm. who are you talking to? And how is your, even your mood? Um, I know Amber and I have talked on the podcast before about some days we just say, I was in a, I'm a burn survivor. Thanks for asking. Like, have a great day. And that's all we share. But then sometimes you can throw a joke in there or, you know, elaborate a little bit more. Yeah. Or, yeah. And sometimes, and it depends on who's asking too. I like, mm -hmm. I'll get the drunk in the bar. Like, hey, uh, what, what happened to you? And I'm like, what happened to me? What happened to you? Look, <laughs> like, look at you, the way you're acting. You know? mm -hmm. But if it's somebody who comes up and they, hey, uh, you know, my cousin was, uh, he was in a car accident. He's in a wheelchair. I'm just glad you're out. I'll tell him the truth. Cause I don't want to make fun at that point. Cause it's, it's heartwarming and it's mm -hmm. nice, but, uh, yeah, but I get a lot of those, uh, you know, the, so Dan, the, the drunk <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, no, you're okay. Dan. So you, um, actually, um, hosted one of the sessions, like you said, at world burn Congress. I'd love it if you could tell us for a moment a little bit more about that experience. I know you said it was a packed room, um, but aside um, from that, kind of what was that like presenting at World Burden Congress? Um, we're going to put the links to that event in our um, in our show chat. So okay. we'd love to learn a little bit more about that session and, and kind of what your experience at World Burden Congress was like. Yeah, it was, it really, um, it was uh, received pretty well. Uh, and we didn't, we kind of didn't know because like you said, we did it, but we didn't have an audience and they were reluctant. And let me tell you when Josh pitched it probably eight years ago, they were like, eh, I'm not so sure about this. And then he repitched it and they uh, still weren't sure. And then he, re and we put it in such a way as to, we won't offend people. We promise yeah, we'll do it. And then when we did it and we had, like I said, we had a, um, a psychiatrist and a health professional uh, Amy Pakes is a friend and she was a nurse, became the head nurse of the burn unit. And um, also Mickey Rothbauer, 
is a psychologist and she was involved and she was looking at what was behind the scenes and that was for the for the live session and it was like i said people were interacting it was i mean you know i i'm never i'm not a stand-up comedian because i can't stand up no um <laughs> i can i can stand up i did my walking yesterday um, <laughs> just the joke. Uh, For people who yeah. don't know all the ins and outs of you, they may be listening to this like, what is this guy saying right now? <laughs> That's most of my life. <laughs> I have most people who, who interact with me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, I have to explain. But no, it, yeah. I mean, I got some laughter. That was, it was amazing. It, I really felt like I was up on stage, stand, you know, doing stand-up. Um, and you know, it's just my, my stupid little jokes, my little, you know, like, you know, things like, uh, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, six feet, I used to be six feet. Now I'm four feet. I lost two feet. I do, I do that one. I did, you know, Hey, what happened to you? Uh, I was roasting marshmallows, the things we do for s'mores, you know, stuff like that. Let's just say when they tell you to keep your hands and feet inside the bus, you do it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what but, what do you do when you make a joke and maybe someone either doesn't get it because that's probably me I don't get them a lot of the time but like what how do you keep the conversation going then like if someone cracks a joke about their burnt injury and someone doesn't get it what would you what would you tell them to do or what your, do you do yeah you shrug your shoulders you move on hey. or, or you explain it you know I guess you didn't get that one yeah <laughs> Like, yeah. you know, a woman came up to me. She's like, oh, you know, were you in a motorcycle accident? I said, yeah, I landed on all fours. You know, like that's just like you answer a stupid question with a stupid answer and that becomes funny. Sometimes they don't get it, but it makes me laugh. And that's that's all that matters. But yeah, you move on. On to the next one. Yeah. If, if yeah, somebody doesn't get it, then, you know. On to the next joke. On to the, on to the next joke. <laughs> the, the, the next bad joke. Yeah. Well, yeah. So you were presenting at the conference, um, but you had been to conferences before, of course. But what was it like for you to be the presenter? You know, how did it feel to be giving back to the community in that way? Different because I I went to the first one we went to was in Baltimore. And like I said, my brother kind of dragged me, not dragged me, but he convinced me to go and I went. And I, I had some good interactions with people, but I didn't feel like I was part of it so much because I was more of a, you know, on the like the outside looking in, so to speak. I was listening to other people and their what they had gone through. And I, my burn injury was long enough. I was long enough out to not feel that like I was getting a lot out of it. If that makes any sense, like I wasn't learning stuff. But then I felt like, hey, maybe I, I could give back. And so it developed. And then Josh presented in Galveston. So I went to that one. And then New York. I did, so I did three of them. And still, like, kind of on the outside. And I, was, certain things came out of it. Like I did this uh, recognition beyond burn, the play on burn beyond recognition. And um, it was a book and, and told our stories. And I did some lectures based on that or, or help with lectures. I just uh, feel like I'm a professor. I did, I did a lecture at Harvard. Yeah, sure. I did. No, uh, hey, you were a presenter, so you can say that. But, yeah. But doing this, I mean, you had so many people coming up afterwards and didn't like not realizing that they could laugh. Like I, I can make fun of myself. Like that's, that's allowed. I'm like, yeah, it's allowed. Like, of course it is. I've been doing it for 30 years, making fun of myself, making fun of others. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 not a bad thing to do, and mm-hmm. it, it does it makes people uh, it eases the tension, and it, there is some benefit to it. Yeah. So, well, Dan, yeah. I do want to switch gears a little bit because I want to. Yeah. Um, so I know in the beginning you did advise that you are a quad amp- amputee, mm-hmm. um, and I imagine that comes with its challenges, right? Um, and yeah. so um, I know for me. Personally, as a sore volunteer, I've walked into rooms, right, where um, I'm not an amputee, I'm a survivor, but um, it's hard sometimes to relate or to be able to help, right, like another amputee. And so um, I would love it, just even for my own knowledge, if you could share some advice that maybe um, 
other amputees that may need early in their healing journey. Um, I'm sure I know for me, like comedy or, or m making joke of my injury didn't happen right off the bat. Right. Especially somebody newer on in their injury. Um, so what does that evolution look like for you? Like in the beginning, um, is there any advice you'd share with somebody who may be just dealing with this injury? Um, and, and how, how did you kind of overcome or get to a point where you can laugh about it now? Yeah. And yeah, like you said, it's not only laughter. I mean, I tell my silly jokes and stuff and that puts people at ease, but it's, it's about, you know, what can you do? And like, oh, you, you know, and for the most part, I'm dealing, like, they'll bring me in for a bilateral amputee or, you know, a single amputation. It's like, that's a paper cut. To me, it's a, you know, one amputation. It's like, scoop of vanilla, scoop of chocolate. Don't waste my time. But, but everyone has their own injury that they're dealing with. City Slickers, by the way, that's from, uh, if you're not a movie person. So, so yeah, I mean, you, you tell them what they can do. And, and like, I've done this, I've done, and, you know, it's hard because you really like, I hate to be like, oh, look at me, how great I am. But you have to show them what you can do and tell them, hey, if I'm doing this, you're going to be even better because you have a single amputation and you have, you have so much, you have youth on your side. I'm 55. Don't act it. Hopefully I don't look it. Um, but yeah, all the things that you can, like, like I was talking about with the driver. Like, oh, you're going to be able to drive. I'm going to be able to drive. No way. And when you tell people that you'll be able to do this and that, they, it's like a light shines on them. You know, like, oh my God, I, I can do this. And I remember, you know, when I was in the hospital, um, the, this uh, sports foundation, Amputee Sports Foundation came around. And one of the guys I'm still friendly with, uh, John Devine, who runs the EAGA golf tournament. And I play golf every year with him. And he came in with a group of amputees and telling me, and there was actually a quad amputee that was there and talking about driving. It, it's just the, what they can do. And they, they don't see it because they don't, they can't, they can't picture that. You know, they were, I was driving with hands and with feet way back in, back in the eighties. Now I have neither and I drive and I'm pretty good driver, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> what was it what was it like though specifically i mean maybe with driving because that is a skill you know you had before and then you had mm -hmm. to relearn it and adjust so just can you tell us a little bit more of what that was like um how you i guess overcame that challenge or and what you would want others to know who are currently fighting those battles well i do it with uh, hand controls so there's there's a, a grip and everyone's different. The, the place that fixes my van, uh, Busani in Bethpage, um, they adapt it to the individual person. So somebody could be paralyzed, could be an amputee. Or for me specifically, I can, you know, I had on my first four vans, I have these electronic EMC made this, these electronics and you could automatically shift. So I didn't have to, to shift and you press these buttons to start the van. Now it's all push start. I didn't, I don't need this stuff for my new, I have a Toyota now, but, um, so there's a V grip that comes out and there's, like I said, all different things. So it's a V grip. I grabbed the hook with the, the right hook to steer. And with my left hook, I grab the, there's something that comes out. Do you want me to grab the hooks and show you a little bit or is that? Do you, you have them? I have them, but they're in the other room. Yeah. I feel like. I'd yeah. love to see them. That's, okay. that's really neat. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Give you a little demo. <laughs> I love a Perfect. demo. I was actually curious when he, I didn't realize um, that he could drive. So when he said that earlier, I was like, Oh, well, we definitely have to ask about this. To know more about, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I'm just in general curious about how you, you navigate, right? Like working through challenges because I know as somebody who's not an amputee, I can't imagine how like you have, like you do have to, right? Overcome some of this. And so driving is uh, definitely fascinating. My, I should have brought my accoutrement in. So yeah. Oh my gosh. I love so, it. These are body power. And, and it's not like somebody yesterday. I actually have a demonstration tomorrow for PT students, uh -huh. uh, but I was at PT yesterday and showing them like, you know, why do you, do you have the hands? And I started out with the myoelectric hands. So you could, uh, try to see this on the inside of the socket. 
So these sockets that are custom made. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you can see inside. Yep. Yeah. Up is down, down is up. Can you okay. see? So, yep. so if I'm flexing, say, on the outside, that opens up. Mm -hmm. And on the inside, if I flex that, that is, there, there are electrodes that go on the inside of the sockets. These okay. are the body balance. So they're so much easier to put on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you have to use a certain muscle on your arm, correct? Is that how that works? For the myoelectric. I don't even know that I can do that. So that's fascinating. To yeah, you can. But like I said, you know, I was telling him, like, you're holding a bottle and in yeah. it, the muscle fires mm -hmm. and now you drop the bottle. So there's some drawbacks. It looks nicer, obviously. And so I put these on. Okay. Trying to use Okay. So yeah. Yeah. Like if I'm holding my left shoulder, I'm opening with the right. But I could hold it and not open it, depending on you know how oh. the back is kind of flexed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There we go. Did that take time for you? I mean, obviously it did, right? But how, but how long did that take for you to learn? Like, because I know, like, yeah. it's confusing Min me minute. just watching you do it, right? So yeah. I'm but like, did you confusing with the left and the right? Yeah. No, no, like, but <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm like fascinated yeah. by the fact that like it, it works the way that it does. But yeah. was it like muscle memory, or did you feel like it took some time to kind of get used to? These are pretty easy to get used to, and, and I've been doing it for so many years now, so it seems so matter of fact. And then I tried to go back to the myoelectric hands. They've been improved. There have been improvements and they could turn and twist. And this. these are still better. They're still yeah. better. Yeah. Uh, Can I ask why mm -hmm. you don't wear them all the time? Because a lot of stuff I do uh, without it. I don't, mm -hmm. you know, saying like holding a bottle, right? I'll take them off. If I'm out, you know, I'm grabbing a cheeseburger or I'm doing it with this. I use. Do you find it easier doing it like that than with the hands? Well, uh, with the hands or the hooks, you told me. The hooks, sorry. Yeah, yeah, with the hooks, I mean, certain things like, you know, I can't drive without it. Mm -hmm. I can't do some of my ADLs, I can't hold a fork without it. So, okay. back, way back in the day, this guy, Lat Friedman, was the head of uh, um, physiatry, the rehab, big rehab guy. And he said, oh, he'll have, a, you know, he'll have a leg for walking. He'll have legs for swimming. And my friend yelled out, what about beer drinking legs? <laughs> the important things. Yeah. That's um, right. Yeah. I mean, the, the one thing he did say that was right, they're tools. You know, so mm -hmm. I use as a tool, do you need, you know, I'll need a wrench for this. I need a hammer for this. So I'm grabbing a bottle. I don't need the hooks. Grabbing a fork. Yeah, I need the hooks. Dan, can I ask now, um, are, do you use a, a wheelchair or have you also um, tried like prosthetics for your legs? So I have my regular legs that I, I wear every day. They're more comfortable. And okay. then I have different types of, I have walking legs. Um, so they're, they're tighter, but they work better. And they have like, they have hydraulics, geniums are called. And they have Saints emblem on them. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> all in Saints fan. Uh, but yeah, I did, I did my walking yesterday. I did and hour hour and six minutes on the treadmill wow oh my gosh the physio ball i do uh leg press so and is there again same thing with the the hooks or the hands is there a preference like to when you use one or the other like um just out of curiosity well the hands the hands are in the garbage so uh, they're out of right there. right the hands are gone but in terms <laughs> of your legs is there a preference yeah. for when you use one or over the other yeah well one one is most primarily for exercise and i brought okay. it down to new orleans when i was watching a game and uh it's funny my friend was in the bathroom and he, we went to see a raiders game last year and he said oh my god i'm gonna i'm gonna get i'm gonna get my ass kicked and this guy said, no, I, I got you. You're not going to get your ass kicked. Don't worry about it. And then he said, I'm with my friend. He's got uh, the Saints prosthetics and he described me. <laughs> and he said, I saw that guy in the hallway. I liked his energy. <laughs> <laughs> so he came over to us. Then we went to the after party. He had a tailgate. And now we keep in touch with this guy. And we'll go oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, so, I think that's helpful wait. knowledge too to know like how you use them because I think a lot of maybe amputees, first time anti or not first time, but like first um, injury, right? Like have have sure. learned um, or don't know how to use like prosthetics just yet, and so I think that experience is probably something they're curious about. Or I know someone like myself who doesn't know someone with a prosthetic like wants cool. to is just curious, right? And I think. That's probably why you get a lot of questions too, right? Of the curiosity of how sure. and, how you use your prosthetics. And you know, like things that kind of shape your life. I remember we were moving uh, from New Hampshire to California and we were in a Denny's, Midwest somewhere, I don't know. So, and I see somebody wearing hooks. I'm not injured, I got injured when I was 21. So I'm, you know, oh my God, I'm in amazement. And this guy gave me a snarl. He was just didn't want to be bothered with me. I was like, well, that's, that, it stayed, that stayed with me. So I never want to be that guy, wherever that guy is now. I don't want to be the guy. If somebody asks me, hey, yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm the first kid on my block with these. Aren't these great? You know, I did. Mm-hmm. Like, I try but, to be more positive about it because yeah. the, the kids are just curious. They'll, you know, they'll say whatever's on their mind. And you always see the mother like, don't, don't say it, don't say it. Like, oh, they're, they're cringing. But the kid is like, could I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. What do you yeah. Well, it's funny because we just had on our last guest, Michelle, mm-hmm. we talked about this too of how burns, thing. like, we, we may be the first burn survivors that someone ever sees. And we want to have that positive energy and show them, you know, you know, we are human. We're just like you. We just look a little different. So mm-hmm. it's funny how that moment stayed with you. And now, I, I love it that you're trying to be the opposite of that and bring mm. that energy. I mean, clearly if you made friends with some guy at a game and now look at you, you're still friends. So, so you cool. had that positive, that positive. But Rachel, outlook. you bring up a good point too, because I think you said like the villains we know in the media, right. They are, they are the survivors. They sometimes do have prosthetics or things of that nature. And so oh, yeah. um, I think for a kid or even just a, anyone really like, right. If I were negative and, snarl like you mentioned um that only plays into the tropes of of the media so i i do think that um i appreciate you saying that dan because i think that is something that we we hear right of like oh yeah and it will continue to be written that way if we continue to have that negativity that narrative right Captain Hook. I was, that was literally what I was thinking about when you had meant, we had talked about this of like, right. Those hooks that you have, I'm sure, I'm sure jokes are said about the hooks as well, but um, we're not not all bad. We're we're mostly bad, but we're not all bad. (laughs) Right. And I think that's important that you do still have that positive smile personality um, because we are representations of, of our own, you know, differences and so i think mm-hmm. that um is important that you continue that sure we try we try yeah. we do well, our- yeah yeah one other question i kind of have related to the prosthetics too and dan we may have talked about this before but maybe it was with someone else that i had this conversation with but what is it um i guess <clears throat> like getting these types of resources like I know insurance has to come into play or like wh- how hard is it to, for you to get access to some of these things? Oh, so, yeah. So with the prosthetics, it's, it's pretty easy. Um, you know, not easy, but I guess it, there's a process that my, I've been dealing with the same company for a long time. I bounced around to a few different companies and um, yeah, the one I settled on progressive O and P, which, you know, if I do a podcast, then maybe guess, <laughs> so, yes. yeah, that's that's on the table um yeah they, they go through it's it's how they ride it and what's needed and with wheelchair stuff van is out of my pocket so there's a ramp in my van there used to be a lift and like i said the electronic controls mm-hmm. which luckily you know i have enough money to pay for this stuff and a lot of people don't so it's i mm-hmm. feel you know in a way very fortunate that i can pay for this stuff it's great Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, some people who have to go through insurance and say, you know, I, I go out of pocket for my wheelchair, this wheelchair. Um, you know, if I have to go through insurance, one, I probably wouldn't get the wheelchair that I have. It'd be a lesser mm-hmm. model and, or the weight would be much longer. 
So yeah, there's a process that people have to go through that I feel fortunate I don't have to. Yeah. If there's a way to do it, but there there's some I you know I'm on that board to help people with disability. Mm -hmm. You hear some real horror stories about how these people have to when they're dealing with these companies. It's like. Yeah, I just asked because I know, um, you know, like you said, it's great that you are fortunate and can have those resources and other survivors can too, sure. but that this is why, you know, I want to ask you more about this advisory board that you're on, but that why we advocate, you know, for, you know, not just insurance, but for survivors to have access to these things, you know, even... <clears throat> you know, going to Phoenix World Burn Congress, I know, and maybe it was you, Dan, I swear I talked to you about this, about getting like a motorized wheelchair at the conference, or maybe it was someone else, but like the difficulties that even something as small as like, it's a necessity for them. And yet it was so challenging just to even, well, you know, first steps. Yeah. It leaves me like, some people will ask like, oh, because some people like, you don't even consider yourself handicapped, do you? And I said, not really, unless, like you're saying, like something happens in my wheelchair. Like if I'm on vacation and my wheelchair breaks down, then I feel handicapped. Like now I'm like, I'm lost. It's like you're breaking your legs. You know, it's like, now what do I do? Now I have to get it fixed or I need a backup or, and, you know, luckily it doesn't happen that often, but it does happen and it puts you in a bond. For sure. Uh, but yeah, yeah. People, you know, not having that stuff and it's a necessity. And I guess that's the way the companies write it. Like they need this, it's a necessity. And I, I know people who don't have any money, but they do have wheelchairs. It's just, it's a longer process. It's it's easier for somebody like me. Yeah. So you also sit on the Nassau County Advisory Board. I know we just talked about that a little bit, but can you tell our listeners more about what that is? I know you mentioned that you do help with advocating for right folks that don't maybe have the opportunity to get those things. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, I, I just got on about a year and a half ago. And a uh, woman I was friendly with, um, Laura, she's the one who told me about it. You'd be perfect for this board. And I wound up getting on. She didn't. So I kind of felt bad that she didn't. But they, they only had, like, I had a representative. And I have, I know a lot of people in, it's, it's kind of a tight-knit community. Think about, like, you know, people who make my prosthetics, uh, my prosthetists, my people who make the wheelchairs, the my PT. So I had letters of recommendation and I got on this. And it's from all walks of life. There's there's 15 members, or should be. We have 14 now. Um, and, you know, one um, is a little person, one has CP. There's some who, you know, a, a man who, whose son is hearing impaired, you know, so it's like, either they're disabled or they're advocating for somebody in their family that has was disabled. And we're just trying to, and there's different subcommittees we're on. We're trying to get, you know, just it, the thing is to improve the lives. So transportation was my big thing. Like I want to do, uh, cause I want accessible cabs. Like I have my van, but say my van is broken down. I want to go to the movies or I want to go to dinner and I can't because I have no way of getting there. Like, Able ride, able ride in the cities is good. Able and uh, an able ride, Uber, Uber, able rides it. Uber and Lyft, you know, they're in the city and they have it's dot dot wav wheelchair accessible vehicles. So they should have that nationwide. And it's so funny, you go to their website and we really want to help everybody out. And it's like, do you really though? So there's like there's lawsuits to get this, but we want to get either accessible cabs or accessible. Ubers, accessible lifts. And that that's a big thing for me. That's what I want to get done mm -hmm. by, by term, so to speak. Um, so I was involved in that. And there's another subcommittee that I wasn't going to get on, but it's public safety and fire. And I'm like, fire, I have to be on this one. <laughs> well, it's, it's a natural fit. And from your podcast, when you uh, interviewed, I, I forget the woman's name. Pamela uh, yeah. um, from Telgian. It was uh, about fire, the fire safety board and she was great. And I learned all these different safety things. So we're working on like a centralized site. And some of my board members are like, how'd you get this information? I said, girls with grants. They, they had got this information, that's why. So it, it was great. I got to listen to that podcast and, and learn about it. 
mm-hmm. and learn how you know how to keep those people safe and um, all the different products that are out there. Well, not promoting products, but we're promoting. You know, you need a fire alarm. You need maybe uh, um, uh, indoor sprinklers, stuff that could save mm-hmm. life. So, for sure. So, yeah, we'll link that in our show notes for sure because that wasn't a great episode. Yeah, it's super yeah. helpful and always now that I'm educated on those things, I find myself like, right, like walking (laughs) into buildings going like, my gosh, do they have what they're supposed to have in here? Sure. Mm -hmm. And I was saying, you have to change your smoke detector every, (laughs) yeah, um, or look at the batteries every couple of months. I'm like, does anybody, and you know, obviously the three of us should be more diligent than no, it's, but yeah, still probably don't do it as much as we should. Right. Exactly. No, it's, it's sad because we, should be the prime examples of doing this yet even we fall short at times which we get happens but that's why advocating for this and awareness weeks like burn awareness week fire prevention week events like that are so important to get involved in and share um it's just helpful reminders just like little things of checking your smoke detectors but that's amazing i'm glad that you were part of that board i mean imagine if every, you know, county had a board like this and there was a burn survivor or amputee or someone um, like that on those committees. Imagine how much more we could get done. So I'm excited to learn more, um, yeah, you know, over it, your term and see see what you accomplish. It's a slow process. And oh, for sure. <laughs> frustrated, but it's the government. Like, mm-hmm. Let's get this done. And like, you know, the wheels move very slowly, but we meet with the county executive every three months and the deputy county executive he's saying all the right things. And he's a really nice guy. So we're taking him at his word that he's going to do. And he's already done some stuff for us. We've improved the, what I said before, able ride paratransit is for people who don't have cars and they weren't going to where they should. And, you know, obviously we're asking for stuff that costs money. And it, co- it costs a lot more money than you'd think. Like, wow, you know, you're not, yep. you're not talking $30, we're talking in millions of dollars, but mm-hmm, sure. for this whole budget, it's like you have, to, if you're adding something, then you're taking away from something else, right? Yeah. So that you you have a little more uh, respect for these, these politicians. I'm sure most people don't have, especially these days, respect for politicians, but they have to yeah. make tough choices. For sure. And everyone, I get it. It's a balancing act and everyone wants their priorities to be the biggest priority. So um, it's all baby steps. Like you said, I know I can imagine it's a slow process. I know even with some of the legislation work we've done, it's not a quick overnight thing, but what matters is that we're all trying to take the next step forward and um, make even those small changes. So that's, that's exciting. Um, like I said, I'm excited to keep up with that and learn more. So you'll definitely have to keep us in the loop of we'll do. We'll some do. of those changes. Yeah. I, so. I'd say like 98% of what I do is selfish. I take, I take, I take. And then 2% I give back. Mm-hmm. I don't feel so bad. <laughs> well, you're giving back. So that's yeah. what matters. A little, um, bit, a little bit. Yeah. Well, I know we are coming up here on our time and Amber and I do have some two, our two final questions we have to ask you, but before we get there, is there anything else you definitely want to share with us? Um, I know there's probably so many other things that we could, we could talk about for sure. We could talk about movies. TV. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not a movie pro. You can ask um, anyone. I do not know movies. Not. So no. Rachel and I only like reality TV. Yes. Here, so <laughs> unfortunately you're not in the right company, Dan. Well, I, I watch Jersey Shore. So that's my, I, I do watch so- Jersey Shore myself. I will tell you that. So, um, I will, yeah. I continue to watch it. So, and they're from that area, your area, correct? Yeah. Well, New York, but I, I, I go through the Jersey shore to get to Atlantic city, which is, I just started watching the new long Island medium as well. I know she's uh, from your neck of the woods as well. Do you, do you know I, about this long Island medium we talked about? I know of her. Uh, what's, uh, What's her name? T- Teresa Caputo. Oh, she's yeah. at, she's coming out with a new, she had a new show and, I love that kind of thing. I'm reality TV. Rachel knows it gets me every time. So I know yeah. people that have seen her and they were very impressed with what she did. So from, from what I hear, yes, is but her big hair. I don't think everyone in Long Island has large hair like she does, but 
Um, I may back, be wrong. Back in the eighties. If you were here in the eighties. Back in the eighties, not anymore, but she kept it going. <laughs> oh, she's on high school, a lot of hair. That's great. Right. Let me tell you. But yes, I'm very much into the reality TV. So and as is Rachel Dan. So we can't oh, relate to your movies, but yeah, Jersey Shore. That's the only I'll, I'll throw that do out. Do you watch the latest, The Family Vacation? I do. I, I hate to admit it. I'm know. guilty. Yes. I, I don't like to it it I lose some brain cells when I admit it, but it is a it is a very, very guilty pleasure of mine. So I have a home theater here where I watch the TV that I want that I'm really interested in. And then I have TV when I'm because I watch TV helps me go to bed. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the shows that puts me to sleep. That's your fall asleep. Yeah. Fall asleep <laughs> it's, a, show. Yes. it's an interesting fall asleep show, Dan, but more power to you. <laughs> uh, it's, it's it's fun. Yeah, fun. fun is is correct yeah, yes yeah, yeah. uh well but, yeah. um as we close out yeah l- any last final thoughts for us dan well th- there's still a thought about me doing a podcast so I, I you know i'd love to pick your brain off camera on camera and just see what you thought about different episodes maybe some different ideas that i had you know getting the healing power of laughter getting i was thinking for the initial episode maybe getting them mm-hmm. together and talk about that and what we, what we tried to accomplish and what, where we go from here, um, do something like that and get physical therapists, maybe my, my prosthetist for other episodes. And I've guys, uh, some of my knucklehead friends are FDNY guys. So I could have them <laughs> on that would he'd probably oh, man. bleep out about 80% of it, but it would yeah, we might have to put a PG 13, uh, rating sure. on some of those. <laughs> for sure. Great guys, but they're, yeah. FDNY, there are certain types They're of rowdy. And then these guys are football players on top of being FDNY. So that puts it there to an 11. Amplifies it. Yeah. 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 Quite, quite a bit. Well, sure. I know but, the podcasts have some, like Rachel said, PG-13 ratings. You have to say this is not allowed <laughs> for kids. So okay. you just may have to throw that out there. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we can we can also do uh, you can do some like movie reviews and uh, Amber and I can throw in some reality TV reviews and sure, we can yeah, we so I'd be more way. than happy to come talk about Jersey Shore. I have my <laughs> favorites as well. So well, I'm the, from up I north that, originally. Yes. So <laughs> you come on my podcast. I came on yours. You come on mine. If that there, there you go does happen. Yeah. You guys awesome. keep talking about Jersey Shore. Maybe you get one of those uh, folks uh, come oh, on. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Can you right. imagine? Yeah. <laughs> sure, though, that I'm sure that home was not up to proper uh, fire safety. But <laughs> I will tell you, Dan, you will laugh, but um, I was a big fan of Mike the Situation. And so there is a photo of me in my, um, and it's one of my favorite like survivor photos. There's a photo of me in. Um, my burn like um, clinic and I'm wearing a mic the situation the comeback is better than the setback which I felt like was was fitting and I'm like in sure. my burn garments like wrapped up but that is yeah, a Jersey yeah. Shore quote I will put it yeah. out there to the world so if you ever see that photo um, I am a, I am a little bit of a, a Jersey Shore fan which is why I had that shirt on so he's, he's come a long way because he was a complete knucklehead now he's he has come a long way yes and so I felt like that quote was a little bit fitting so I had actually worn that shirt I want to say it was one of the days where I had like gotten some dressings off and was feeling empowered that day and so um I do think that that was that. a good mantra yeah for sure okay. but it is it is a nod to Jersey Shore, so I'll throw that out there. <laughs> sure. We got to go down to uh, Seaside Heights, and that's right. I have been down that way before. Beat the beat, as I said, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Dan, it's been a pleasure to have you on today. But um, uh, as at the end of our episode, we always ask two final questions um, of all of our guests um, in this season. Um, the question that we have um, for you is what is something that you want caregivers or loved ones of survivors to know? Um, and maybe it's comedy related um, today, um, but what is something you want to encourage our audience of caregivers and, and loved ones to find out? Um, just how important they are. You know, I, I think I said it before where I was in, in the burn unit and just the fact that knowing they were there. And I remember some of the nurses in the burn unit said, you know, they're here now, these people, 
but eventually he's going to lose all his friends. Get a little choked up. Uh, and now my friends are still my friends. So, you know, they, they never did leave. So, I, you know, that's knowing that they're there, just there for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, no, that's, a, left, that's a tough thing to hear from yeah. anyone. So, yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, I, mean, I guess you don't, if they're saying that you don't know me or you don't know my friends. And right. I remember, yeah, so uh, I know we're running out of time, but there were, there were two schools in my middle schools in my town. My brother went to one where all the lawyers and doctors, they all became lawyers and doctors. And I went to the one where they were all firemen and cops and regular, the regular guys. And my dad didn't understand like why my friends were my friends until, you know, until that happened. He was like, now I get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, that's... you learn who your friends really are for yeah. sure after traumatic events. Yeah. And made some new friends, but mostly I, mostly I can't get new friends. I'm trying to get rid of them now. <laughs> we won't no, tell them that. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> when you know they you have a, a good support system. Um, it's when they're, they're there through thick and thin. So just like you would be for them, I'm yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, but our final question, so it's our Phoenix partner question, which today is not sponsored by Grabber and Nijet, oh. a personal injury law firm helping survivors and others to get the financial representation they deserve. And for those listening, Josh is Dan's brother. I don't know if we really talked about, I know you mentioned it, but just in case you're wondering, um, that's that's how they are connected. So what is um, one thing that always brings a smile to your face, no matter how tough your day has been? Mm, you know, my doggy. Yeah. Seeing my dog hugging on, it's always, always good. Always we, good. yeah, no, it's, it, we laugh have. because everyone current has said yeah. their dog. And have, yeah. uh, yes, I have a feeling that's going to be, um, Everyone answer, answer if they have a dog. <laughs> yeah. I've had some tough history with you know, the dog behind me passed away and mm-hmm. had another dog. And so it was like, uh, do I get another dog? Is it, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking when the dog, mm-hmm. obviously they don't live as long as you want them to live. Mm-hmm. As crazy as this guy is, you know, always, he's happy to see me. And what is your dog's name? Rascal. Rascal, that's yeah. right. You mentioned that. I know before the the podcast started, you told me there was a nickname for Rascal. What was it? Harascal. Harascal, yes. Harassing yeah. people. Well, dogs bring lots of love in various different yeah. ways, but certainly can always put a smile on our faces. So it's amazing. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Dan, um, for joining us today. It was great having you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. 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 And like we said, we'll make sure we have all of those links um, in our show description if you want to watch the Healing Power of Comedy uh, sessions. Yeah. So, it was like yes. Healing Power of Comedy, then Healing Power of Laughter. So we- Yes, we'll get both of them in there. Don't worry. They're both, they'll both be in there for sure. Well, thanks cool. again, Dan. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Bye. Get it. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Girls with Crafts. If you are enjoying this content, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.